If you want to be popular at Camp Half-Blood, don't come back from a mission with bad news. Welcome to Floor 600. This is a podcast where two friends, Quinn and... And Natalie. Oh God, she's there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series by Rick Riordan. We are now reading the last book in the series, The Last Olympian. At this episode, we're going to be talking about chapters, what, three through five. Yes. Oh, God, this is going to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird because this is our first time ever recording remotely. Yeah. Quarantines and stuff. So we're afar. And you know what? It's a good trial run. We don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> that is the truth. So don't be too harsh on us if it sounds weird, people. I'll try and edit out some of the weird gaps because I feel like there's going to be weird, awkward silences because there's like just a slight delay on the audio. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> we're like, we're you know? with our awkward delays. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just pretend it's like going from newscaster to newscaster. Yeah, like we're we're actually thousands and thousands of miles apart. Um, not what thirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So anyway, enough of that. <laughs> Let's get on to this episode. So first of all, we have our occasional segment. Feel famous with us today, huzzah! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so first order of business in feeling famous. Um, we need to thank Hilton for becoming a patron. Hi, Hilton! <laughs> Hilton, <laughs> we read Hilton's email um, in episode 26. However, Patreon was being dumb, and it wasn't showing that Hilton is um, a patron. So we didn't thank him for joining our Patreon. Like, an hour before we had started recording, it was like, Hilton is your patron. And then... When, as soon as we started recording, it was like, Hilton is no longer a patron. Yeah. And then as soon as we stopped recording, <laughs> it was, Hilton is no patron. It was very confusing day. <laughs> <laughs> it was very confusing and irritating. So, Patreon, if you're listening, get your act together, please. <laughs> <laughs> we have our one complaint. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And we got another email from listener who goes by Annabeth Chase in her emails, which is super fun. Oh my gosh, I didn't see that. That's so cool. Yeah. She wrote us about Calypso, probably because of her commentary on uh, Calypso's Island again. <laughs> so Annabeth wrote. Oh, probably. <laughs> so she wrote us. Hi, girls. Listening to episode 26 because I feel like I haven't listened to y'all in forever and I needed to catch up. And that's probably because we didn't release an episode in forever. So, yeah. Yeah, that was sort of on us. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> My question for you guys is, do y'all like Calypso as a character? I know you feel like the whole part with her and Percy in the Battle of the Labyrinth is weird and kind of useless, but trust me, it comes back later. I wasn't a big fan of Calypso myself because that part of the book was the most boring for me. And by then I was shipping Percy and Annabeth way too hard. Same. 
However, after reading Heroes of Olympus, Calypso grew on me, and I'm curious to see if she will on the both of you. Keep up the good work. Bye. All right, Natalie, I want you to respond because you have not read the Heroes of Olympus, and I have, and I am tainted. <laughs> um, I mean, I liked Calypso enough, you know, like, I mean, she's kind of cool, I guess. The little we saw of her, like, she did. <laughs> it wasn't Calypso herself who annoyed me. Like, she's just trying to, like, be happy and garden, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. But... She's just living her life the best she can on an isolated island. Yeah, that she was sent to because, you know, mistakes were made. But she didn't know. No. So, yeah. I like Calypso. Like, yeah, so you like Calypso, but not the part of the book. Or, yeah. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. What I did that? Yeah. I feel like I'm like, talking more gibberish because I can't like read people. You read your respect reactions and like, oh god, it's weird. Ah, <laughs> uh, but okay. Yeah, I I think I was a bit bored with Calypso in the um Le- Battle of the Labyrinth. It's just like she's she's a character, and she's there, but we don't really get much of her. Right. We just get. Percy's interactions with her so it's just like ah oh, there's a pretty girl on an island and I think I'm gonna leave everybody to be with this pretty girl and the pretty girl's like yes I'm a pretty girl and then I do know from uh reading Heroes of Olympus that she's more than yes I'm a pretty girl but in like the first bit of um introduction to Calypso she's not a really interesting character to me. She is definitely more than just the pretty girl on a lonely island. <laughs> but I think in her her first introduction, that's all we really get from her. Right. Uh, from here in the Heroes of Olympus, and I have read them, and from what I remember, she is a much more interesting character and has a lot more like oomph to her. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I mean, we only got like 10 pages of her. I know. And the Calypso scene just seems so out of place and, I don't know, just a, a, a real like deviation from the whole storyline. Yeah. And it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, overall, I feel like, yeah, she's cool for the little glimpse of her mm-hmm. that we got. Thank you for writing, Annabeth. We always enjoy hearing from you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, We also just got two emails. Literally just now. This is the second? Yeah, it's from the same person. person. Well, welcome the same person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Charles wrote us. Hi, Charles. um, Your podcast is the... Your podcast is the best. It's the first and last podcast I will listen to. Thank you. He also said, I am nine years old and I am sitting at home because of the coronavirus and your podcast makes me happy. And I want this email to be in a podcast. You oh make. my God, I'm crying. This is adorable. Oh my God. Hello. Oh my, I'm sorry that you're home from school. I'm sure that your parents are trying or your guardians or whoever. Oh my God. Hi. <laughs> I'm so happy that this podcast is bringing people some joy in the midst of all this 
stress and anxiety and being home from school, which is not always as fun as it sounds. Literally, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I think like, (laughs) oh my God, hello, Charles. Oh, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for writing to us, Charles. We really appreciate it. Oh, I'm going to think about it. I hope the rest of your school year goes okay. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of schools are going to be home all year. Sadness. Yeah. But you have us. <laughs> we will do. Yes. <laughs> we will do our best to continue making content to um, brighten up your quarantine. And what other podcast can a nine-year-old listen to? I don't know. I don't listen to many nine-year-olds. I think. The History Chicks is Ooh, also history chicks. Um, kid-friendly. Nice. Yeah, if you, like, are studying something in history class and you need to learn more about it, you can see if they have an episode, if it's, like, a s- historical figure or something. I totally just recommend, like, searching topics, like, historical topics in your podcast app, and you get, like, all of the different epi- episodes of different podcasts that have done stuff on that and you can nice. sort through like ones that you actually are interested in don't stop listening yeah. to us though we're we're the first ones <laughs> you listen to so we must be the last one you listen to wait no but yes the last one you ever <laughs> listen to before you die you put this on that would be really sort of morbid um approximately 81 years yes. from now Oh, wow, you're shortchanging him. Only giving him 90 years? <laughs> Fine, He's 100. probably a demigod. <laughs> Forever. You never know. <laughs> All right. Woohoo! Thank you for writing to us, Annabeth, and Charles, and for joining our Patreon, Hilton. You guys are the yes, best. Yes, you are. And speaking of writing... Vivi wrote us a while ago, several, many episodes ago. I don't remember which one exactly. Many moons. Many, many moons. <laughs> she, yes. Yes. Like months ago. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is her email inspired a really cool baby centaur drawing slash painting that we commissioned from our friend, our art, watercolor artist friend, Claire Reed. And she made us an awesome thing of art, and you, my friends, can purchase it for $2.50 at redbubble.com slash people slash floor 600 slash shop. I don't know why the link is so annoying. Yeah, that's a little annoying. But do you know what it's of? <laughs> it's of a baby centaur. It's so adorable. Yes. And his arms are floppy. <laughs> oh, he's adorable. We need a name for him. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe we haven't named him this oh whole my time. God, we done. <gasps> We're stupid. Should we name him after Charles? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. If everybody likes the idea, or we could like, uh, we'll we'll ma- like email us in, and what do you want to name the baby centaur? Yeah, and go buy one. <laughs> you can tweet at us. You can Instagram at and us. Also and there's, just, like, um, at I us put your name of the baby up. centaur. <laughs> and it'll be really funny because we'll forget about we asked this. And then we'll get a whole swarm of baby centaurs. 
Yeah. Um, also, um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I find it personally amusing and fulfilling to change the banners on our social medias every time we start a new book. So I made those in sticker form too. They're kind of fun. I enjoy making them. So if you want to rep some cool different Lore 600 color banners, you can get that in sticker form too. Ooh. Fancy. <laughs> yeah. All right. That is it for Feel Famous With Us today. Cool. Feel Famous With Us is done. You're no longer famous and no longer are we famous because we never were. I still feel famous. Okay, good. <laughs> Charles. Charles made my day. I haven't stopped. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to our recap, which is going to be interesting to go through this in this way. So <laughs> bear with us, folks. Yep. So, chapter three, I get a sneak peek at my death. I gave that five stars because why not? Yeah, I gave that. I can't find it. One second, one second, one second, one second, one second. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I gave that four stars and I drew a creepy drawing of an eyeball. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, so Percy arrives back at Camp Half-Blood after his little underwater conversation with Poseidon and Tyson and is greeted by Connor Stoll, the lovely Hermes kid and twin brother of Travis. And I like that we get, like, we're getting a little bit more in-depth descriptions of some of the, like, quote-unquote minor characters who just kind of show up all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got a crooked smile that matched his crooked sense of humor. And Percy's like, don't, you should always keep one hand on your wallet when he's around and do not, under any circumstances, give him access to shaving cream unless you want to find your sleeping bag full of it. <laughs> I don't know. I like Connor and Travis on all them. I like that we're getting like a more complete picture of them. Yeah, and they remind me of uh, Freddie and George, of course, because what other troublemaking twins can you compare them to? But they're not twins. <laughs> brothers who are yeah, they are twins. No, Travis and Connor are not twins. They're I think they're like a yeah. year apart. Check me really? out, man. I know it. I know it. <laughs> I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my bones. Did I just assume that they were twins? I think you assumed, my friend. Oh. Connor is a Greek demigod, a son of Hermes. He's the current head counselor of Cabin 11 as his older brother, Travis Stoll, has left to attend college. Yeah. I didn't realize Travis was on co- in college. I missed that part. Cool. Congratulations, Travis, for getting <laughs> your degree in troublemaking. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so I guess the fact that they look that much alike is just a coincidence. Probably just because they're brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because Percy says the only way that he can keep Travis and Connor like a, tell them apart is that Connor's a little bit shorter. Yeah, and that's not a big difference. But <laughs> Yeah. Okay. If you saw one if you saw them individually, it would be hard to tell them apart. That's annoying. I feel like my whole life was a lie. <laughs> anyway, Connor is really excited to see Percy at first and he asks 
where Beckendorf is, but he immediately thinks of Selena when Percy offers no good news. He's like, oh no. Um, so Percy and Connor walk up the sand dunes and Percy sees all these people like coming to greet him, thinking that he like saved the day and brought souvenirs. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I just let them all down. <laughs> Sadness. Yeah. So they kind of, we get like a little overview of what camp looks like now and like how there's so, there's way fewer campers now. And the ones who are still there are like battle hardened and sad because people mm-hmm. have died. I feel like this is the first really big description of camp that we've got in a while though. It is. Yeah. I mean, apart from like when Percy first arrived at camp. Yeah, but even then, I don't think we got a good description of, like, the placement of the armory and all of that. Like, we, we got yeah. what was in the camp, but we didn't get the locations of them. I think this is, like, the first time we really get it mapped out. Maybe not. Maybe I'm forgetting another time. But I don't know. I just, like, it, I feel like it was just, like, the first time that I could totally lay out Camp Half-Blood fully on a map in my mind. Right. Yeah, it's sad that it's, like, so different. Yeah, it's, like, empty. Um, yeah, so Percy is, like, I'm not going to go down and greet all these people when I only have bad news. So he just, like, sits at the dining pavilion and lets them reach him, which is probably a really bad sign. Yeah. Chiron reaches Percy first, and he's wearing a green T-shirt that says, My other car is a centaur. Why? <laughs> Cause I don't know. <laughs> Cause he wanted. To, he probably got it on his retreat with the like party ponies. Yeah. So Annabeth is the second person to reach Percy, and Percy's heart does a little relay race when he sees her. Um, she hasn't been putting in any effort into her appearance because she's been a little too busy fighting battles. Um, but Percy remembers the kiss and the moments. Like, that they had last summer before Kronos ruined everything. Of course he would. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) So the real issue here is Selena Beauregard, who appears through the crowd with no makeup and messy hair and demands to know where Charlie is. And Chiron's like, let's talk about this at the big house. Don't call her an issue. Oh. She's not an issue. The issue is that her boyfriend is dead. Oh, yes. That's just a minor issue. (laughs) So Chiron's like, let's talk about this at the big house. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty obvious, Chiron. (laughs) So Selena starts, like, sobbing. Everyone's just standing there, like, not knowing what to do and sad. And then Clarice just appears out of nowhere and, like, takes Selena back up to the big house. And everybody's like this sucks and are they're not excited anymore at all it's just like the worst day ever so Annabeth and Chiron are the only ones who stay with Percy at the pavilion and Percy tells them everything that happened um including the dream about the titans but not the dream about Nico so he's still kind of not telling everything um and He's like, okay, also, Poseidon told me that it's time to hear the entirety of the great prophecy. And Chiron's like, oh, dear. And Annabeth's like, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I like how Annabeth is just like crying and then she's like, I'm glad you're not dead, seaweed brain. Yeah, wouldn't you know, we all be? Aren't we all? <laughs> yes. I'm like, aw, Annabeth loves him. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Annabeth takes Percy upstairs to greet, to greet, to meet. To see the oracle, the spirit of Delphi, the great sayer and knower of prophecies. I don't know why I wrote that. <laughs> she has a title. You must say it. <laughs> but while they're out there, they find <clears throat> like other cool stuff that brings back weird memories, like Campe's, um swords and stuff, and like Grover causing a panic and all this stuff. And they're just like, oof, it's not a fun place to be. I love I, the idea of that attic. I want there to be. Maybe this is just me in my, like, museum mind, but I want there to be a demigod museum where they can, like, I don't know, display these artifacts, preserve these artifacts. I know that a lot of them are dangerous. You can make it a secret museum that only secret people can get into. Um, But, like, I don't know, it shows some respect because I feel like there are some objects there that are, like, like, what, I think, I think it, like, the Sea of Monsters, there's, like, oh, this is the sword that Leroy fought with and he died with or something. It, it, yeah. I think that would be a nice way to remember Leroy. <laughs> I know, it's weird. It's, like, they're proud of them, but they don't want to remember them. So I'm, like, why keep it? I know, they do have a weird way of um, remembering their dead in the immediate aftermath of their death but then pretty soon on it feels like they sort of forget about them and they like don't really necessarily do much to honor them at least not yeah i don't know because it's not like they have a whole bunch of memorials around camp for all the other demigods who have lived there <sighs> Or died there. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, once everybody graduates who knew these campers, uh, they're gone. Yeah. Nobody knows who they were. Here. And it's not like they live normal lives, so it's not like there's going to be some random mortal that's going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember Leroy. He was a pretty cool, weird dude. Yeah, exactly. Weird. I don't know. I feel like they, they, they could remember their mem- their demigods better. Yeah, I agree. And Chiron, um, that's, on him. that's on you. That's on Chiron. <laughs> oh, Chiron. He's in charge of the so had... and organize a memorial every once in a while. Yeah. They do burn the shrouds, though. I guess, but that's what? I guess. Yeah. So they had through all these souvenirs and trophies and stolen things and get to the Oracle. So as we all know, the Oracle is like a mummy in hippie clothes. Mm-hmm. And first he's like, why is it a mummy? <laughs> and Annabeth explains that the spirit of the Oracle used to live inside a beautiful maiden and the spirit used to pass from one beautiful maiden to the next. But for some reason it stopped at this particular one. And Percy's like, why? As usual. And as usual, Annabeth knows the answer, but won't tell him. <laughs> so annoying. So Annabeth approaches the mummy with her palms out and tells her that 
the time is at hand for the great prophecy to be heard and then takes one of her necklaces off and takes this little teeny tiny scroll of parchment out of the pouch on the chain and Percy's like what it was literally right there the whole time <laughs> and I didn't know so Annabeth's like the time wasn't right I read this when I was 10 and it still gives me nightmares blah 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 so annoying and it's annoying because it just contributes to the annoying, like, don't tell the main character the important thing. I know. Ugh. So she tells Percy not to read it in front of the Oracle, so they head downstairs to meet the War Council, and there's a little note that Percy doesn't know it at the time, but this is the last time he will ever visit the attic at the big house. The last time ever? Yep. Or the last time this year. Or the last... <sighs> Such a big... It says, I didn't know it then, but it would be the last time I ever visited the attic. I know what it says, but still, that seems so (laughs) (laughs) I know, and some books do do that thing where it's like, that's the last thing. It says it's the last thing, but then it's really only like, there should be more to the sentence, and it's like, that was the last thing today. You know? (laughs) (laughs) It's the last thing for two weeks, not forever. <laughs> so Percy and A. Chase meet the War Council, a selection of senior counselors around the ping pong table, which is for some reason the officially unofficial headquarters for the War Councils. And I put a, a little note. I said, is this a symbol of the campers' neglected childhoods, a sign that some of them are still treating the situation like a game? Wait, what? I missed it. Because they're meeting in the games room around the ping pong table. (laughs) Like, is this a sign of, like, you know, for real, though, like, is it a sign of, like, they're still children? They should just be here playing these games, you know? I think it's a sign that, yes, they are still children, but the way that they treat the table is not the way a child would treat, or whatever, uh, a preteen, a teenager, would treat a ping pong table. They know this is basically like a war council, I think. Um, at least at least Percy and Annabeth, and probably Clarice does. Um, I have my doubts about um, what? Everybody else. <laughs> I guess, what's her name? Yeah. Katie from the um... Demeter cabin, she seems to be taking it seriously. Uh, yeah. Hephaestus cabin is definitely taking it seriously. Uh, I guess, yeah, they're all taking it seriously. I don't know. I know that they're taking the war seriously. I just think it's it's an interesting contrast, you know? Mm-hmm. It is. Is it sort of showing, yes, these are children or whatever they these are kids they should be playing with these this ping pong table the way that a person should play with the ping pong table or is it a foosball <laughs> i don't know um ping pong. <laughs> ping pong uh but instead they're they're treating this ping pong table as a war council and it's sort of very it's a strange and juxtaposition yeah. And then add to that that when Percy and Annabeth get there, everyone is fighting with each other about the stupidest thing <laughs> ever. 
But of course, Annabeth won't tell him right now what it is. So Clarice is shouting at Michael Yu, who is the new head counselor of the Apollo cabin, who took over after Lee Fletcher died last summer. And he stands four foot six with another two feet of attitude (laughs) (laughs) and reminds Percy of a ferret. Ouch. That's rude. Right? Anyway, Michael yells at Clarice, it's our loot. And the other head counselors are either completely ignoring them or trying not to laugh. And Selena's just, like, staring blankly at the table. And Percy's like, what is happening? (laughs) And Pollux tells Percy that Clarice has refused to speak to anyone until her issue is resolved. And Travis is like, yeah, it's been a wonderful three days. (laughs) (laughs) So Clarice tries to get Chiron involved, but he tells her... That Apollo has the best claim to whatever it is that they're fighting over. And that they have more important things to deal with, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. the war. (laughs) And she's like, oh, well, I'll get Dionysus to decide. And Chiron's like, well, Dionysus is still away working on, you know, the war. (laughs) Duh. And (laughs) nobody's, like, siding with Clarice. Yeah, Dionysus would, like, smite them if they bothered him about this. Yeah, he'd turn them all into, like, grapes or something, and then drink them. <laughs> so, But he wouldn't be able to drink them as alcohol because he's on a cleanse? <laughs> Prohibition. Prohibition, that's better. <laughs> Yeah, so Clarice insists that unless the Ares cabin gets their way, she won't help fight the war at all. And I'm like, this just feels like so weird and out of character for her. It is. It does seem like that. Um, I I feel like bad because um, I, I feel, I, I from my knowledge of other myths, I can see what's happening and what Rick is building and it's beautiful and it's tragic (laughs) and I'm sad but I love it I love the build love the build (laughs) yeah I don't know I don't I mean I remember a key thing that we already talked about outside of this podcast but it I don't remember how we get there Like, as soon as I started reading this, I still don't, I don't remember the hows, but, um, just the way that they're setting up Clarice, um, uh, her friendship with, uh, Selena and their bond, but then also Clarice is sort of making this vow, like, I shall not fight and my men will not fight. It because I have been slighted in this way. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about it more, I am sure. But this has a lot of similarities with um, the story of Achilles. Uh, Achilles was uh, in uh, the Trojan War. He came to a point where he had some kind of minor slight against him by one of the lords or whatever. And he said, I'm not going to fight until you apologize. And then bad things happen. (laughs) And I can see things fitting together like that myth. And I'm sad already. Oh, okay. So, 
Clarice storms out of the room, and Chiron manages to pull the group's attention back to important things like the war and the Great Prophecy. And <laughs> Percy starts to read the prophecy, and it's kind of cute and like funny because he says, "A half blood of the eldest dogs instead of gods." <laughs> well, like, and guy. then they make fun of him, and it's like, dude, all of you are dyslexic. <laughs> they don't make fun of him. Doesn't someone chuckle or something? Annabeth is just like, that's gods, not dogs, and then they move on. Oh. For some reason, maybe it was just, I don't know. For some reason, I thought that they all looked at him like, (laughs) No, and it's funny that you said that, because I told my mom about that, and she thought it was funny, and she's like, do they make fun of him? And I was like, no, they're all dyslexic, too. And she's like, oh, good. (laughs) Alright, so the prophecy goes as follows. A half-blood of the eldest gods shall reach 16 against all odds and see the world in endless sleep. The hero's soul, curse blade, shall reap. A single choice shall end his days, Olympus, to preserve or raise. Alright. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that does not sound good, but I'm a loophole. <laughs> So it says the half of the gods has to reach 16. But it but then it says a hero will get the, the curse blade shall reap. So that does not mean that the hero is the half-blood of the eldest gods. True. A single choice shall end his days, Olympus to preserve or raise. So is his referring to hero or the, a half-blood? Because Bianca could have been the half-blood. But Bianca, uh, oh, but Bianca was at 16. And she, and she didn't see the world in endless sleep. Um. No, but like, she was, she was a daughter of Hades, so like, wasn't that the whole thing that, like, Nico or Bianca could have been the prophecy kid, too? Yes, but remember, I think this prophecy came out after Bianca and Nico were born. <laughs> so, I think it nixes, nixes out uh, Bianca and Nico as contenders for the, the half-blood of the eldest gods to reach 16 against all odds. But wait, that's only because they got put into the Lotus Hotel and Casino. Mm-hmm. So what if somebody was doing that to keep them from reaching 16 and being the prophecy kid? Oh, and they were delaying the prophecy? Yeah. But still, Percy would still be the first one of the eldest gods to reach 16. Percy is the son of the eldest gods. Percy is the half-blood, I think, of the first and second and third st- line. But <laughs> I'm saying they are they might be introducing a second demigod or non-demigod if a hero. A hero doesn't ne- doesn't have to be a demigod. Um I'm saying that's a different person. So right now the the Percy and Annabeth and everybody, they're all reading that as Percy is going to die and his choice will either save the world or end the world. But I'm saying it's a different person entirely. And the, the trigger is the half-blood of the Ellis Dodds reaching 16 and then seeing the world in endless sleep. 
And then the hero comes in and gets ripped or and re is is reaped by the cursed right. blade. Yeah, I don't know why they automatically assume that it's all talking about the same person. For smart people, they don't look around like, all right, we're going to look at this <laughs> prophecy and we're going to see all the different outcomes that we can figure yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> they don't have critical thinking skills. Instead, they normally just go with their gut reaction. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kyron's like, you see now, Percy, why we thought it best not to tell you the whole prophecy. You've had enough on your shoulders. And Percy says, without realizing I was going to die in the end anyway. And I'm like, how is it? How is it still? When is it ever more helpful to not have all the information? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I guess it would have, if, if Percy had heard when he was 12 that, no, he did hear when he was 12. I don't know. I don't know why they didn't give him the whole prophecy. Maybe Rick hadn't written the whole <laughs> prophecy yet. Like, do you, I mean, it's Percy. Do you really think that he would have not still given it everything he has? Like, come on. Exactly. He would have done it. <laughs> there was, he would have been like, well, like, he would have heard that prophecy at the age of 12 and been like, yeah, that could be me. It could not be me. There's a lot of years between me being 12 and me being 16. Right? Things can happen. <laughs> exactly. So, right. I feel like if he would, I think if he had heard that prophecy more early on, he would have, um, I think he would have uh, pressured Talia more into accepting the prophecy as her own. You think so? I would think so. Um, maybe, or at least had, like, more of a thought about it, because <laughs> yeah. I think Percy sort of was like, yeah, I shall claim this prophecy as soon as Talia said, I don't think I really want it. I think if he had known that full prophecy, he would have been like, are you sure you don't want it? Just try it on for size for a few months. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. Could be. <laughs> So Percy is now just kind of angry and annoyed at his the seemingly inevitable prospect of his death, which, by the way, is in, like, less than a week because he's turned 16 in, like, four days at this point. And he brings the conversation back to the fact that they have a spy at camp, and Selena immediately starts to cry. Hmm. And... Suspicious? But also... Can't blame her for crying. Her boyfriend just yeah. died, and now she found out that someone who might be a friend of hers is the one who caused that death. Yeah. Or might not be a friend. Might be more than a friend. Ooh. Might be within her ear. <laughs> what? Okay, so um, the others start accusing each other. I mean, throwing out ideas about who the spy could be. And Selena is like, shut up, and spills your hot chocolate all over the table. And Chiron's like... My, Jackson just totally broke into this room. Oh. <laughs> I can hear him arfing like, at you. Oh, I don't know how he got it. I honestly don't know how he Aww. got it. I think someone must have... Why are you rubbing your butt on the floor? <laughs> One second. Okay. Okay, so he just broke it. 
started rubbing his butt on the floor and barking at me. I let him outside because only he can only leave out of this door and not the other 10 doors <laughs> in this house. And he's standing on the porch eating the Oh snow. my gosh. Didn't even need to go <laughs> But when I opened the door, all the other dogs came. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Jackson's so silly. <sighs> all right. The drama of having a dramatic dog. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, um, Chiron mentions that Kronos' next assault is on its way, and he and Annabeth share yet another, it's time we told Percy the thing he should have known, glance that irritates me. <laughs> and Chiron's like, oh, well, we didn't want to disturb you while you were hanging out with your mortal friends. And Annabeth blushes, and Percy's like, oh, she knew I've been hanging out with Rachel. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> and Chiron summons an Iris message to show them a newscast about Ma- Mount St. Helens, which is still erupting, but it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Because remember when Percy caused it to explode? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it end- ended up on Calypso's Island. So, like, Percy had caused a- an explosion, but then it had calmed down a little bit. And then, but now, since then, there's just been more explosions. Getting worse and exactly. worse and worse. Yes, ma'am. Right? So the biggest problem is not the, the eruptions themselves, but it is that Typhon, the single biggest threat the gods ever faced, has awakened and is making his way toward Olympus while wreaking <gasps> havoc across the country. Oh, no! <laughs> and the gods are trying to fight him, like Apollo's in his chariot and Athena's a giant owl, but they can't do enough against him. And Poseidon can't help because he's trying to keep his monsters from killing everyone. And wait, 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 Chiron... wait, wait, wait. Did you say what? Athena and her giant owl? Where is the giant, giant owl? I love the <laughs> idea of a giant owl. Is she riding I mean, the owl? I'm assuming it is um, Athena. Hold on. I'll find it. I Yeah, I would think if someone has an owl, it's Athena. Um, it says... It says, inside the storm, I could see the giant, just small glimpses of his true form, a smoky arm, a dark clawed hand the size of a city block. His angry roar rolled across the plains like a nuclear blast. Other smaller forms darted through the clouds, circling the monster. I saw flashes of light and I realized the giant was trying to swat them. I squinted and thought I saw a golden chariot flying into the blackness. Then some kind of huge bird, a monstrous owl, dived in to attack the giant. Oh my god, that's so cool! <laughs> I guess, I don't know why, I, I guess I missed the monstrous owl. <laughs> oh, how did I miss the monstrous owl? Do you think it's Athena that's transformed herself into a giant owl? Or do you think she has a giant pet owl? I like to think she is the owl. What if she has a giant pet owl and she's riding it? <laughs> that could be too. That's a fun image. Oh, okay. Ooh, maybe we should get Claire to paint that. <laughs> <laughs> or we can ask just the general podcast listeners. If you want yeah. to paint a giant owl with Athena riding it, or it has to be <laughs> monstrous. How do you make a monstrous owl? Oh, God, it would be so... Oh. This is why we are not artists. I know. Athena frying a giant owl. Great. 
quality image already. <laughs> don't have to even put the pencil to the paper and have a quality image. <laughs> yeah, so send us your Athena writing a monstrous owl artwork. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I would love it. <laughs> but really the point of this is that Typhon oh, is oh, going to be... Oh, you point. Yeah. <laughs> Typhon will be at Mount Olympus in at least no more than five days, most likely. And most of the gods are there fighting him, trying to slow him down, leaving Mount Olympus completely unguarded. And Percy and realizes... Percy's birthday is when? In is like that in five four days. days also? Yeah, five days. Okay. So it's all lining up with Percy's birthday. Yeah. Oh, imagine that. Oh <laughs> <that>. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so Percy realizes that this has been Kronos's plan all along to release Typhon, like distract the demigods with the princess Andromeda, get them to think they're safer, get the gods to fight Typhon and leave Mount Olympus vulnerable, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're all like fabulous. Beckendorf is dead. There's a spy in the camp. Typhon's on the loose. Mount Olympus is undefended. It's like, everything's going badly. <laughs> so Chiron's like, I think that's enough for one night, and the war council adjourns. <laughs> yeah, I would think that's enough. I think a lot of, a, a lot of things have been revealed. It's a lot, it was a big, dramatic, sad day. Selena's just in mourning. Oh, God. That poor girl. Yeah, it's really rough right now. All right, chapter four. We burn a metal shroud. Three stars because sadness. Oh, I know. It's so sad. So I gave that, like, I didn't even think I rated it when I first saw it because I was so sad by the title. So, like, I don't know, two and a half stars. Yeah. Sadness. Tears. <laughs> Tears just streaming down my face. <laughs> so how many stars did you give it? Three good enough <laughs> yeah close enough <laughs> i could go down <laughs> <laughs> no great step <laughs> yeah so when percy dreams this time this is like the first dream sequence in a long time that hasn't made me want to barf so <laughs> <laughs> he dreams about rachel elizabeth dare standing in her room which is like a whole floor of like her family's apartment in manhattan and she's wearing a kimono and frizzy hair, and she's throwing darts at a painting of Percy standing over the giant Antaeus, who he destroyed last year in the labyrinth. And Rachel's father comes into her room to yell at her to turn off the music that she's listening to because it's three o'clock in the morning. And rightly, rightfully, of him, <laughs> of him, yeah. <laughs> I like that you were saying, like, I couldn't hear it because the delay, you were saying something like, rightfully so. <laughs> like, at the same time I was saying, like, rude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I'm, like, pausing so that I hear if you, like, want to add anything. And then I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, uh, Rachel's father rightfully assumes that Percy won't be coming with them to St. Thomas, Avi, and he asks Rachel if she's still having bad dreams and suggests they call Dr. Arkwright, 
which sounds like a Batman doctor name. Yes. <laughs> and Rachel's like, I don't need a therapist. And I'm like, it probably wouldn't hurt. <laughs> no. And she also tells him that um, she's still not going to Clarion Ladies Academy. And he's like, your friends are bad influences. And she's like, my friends are none of your business. So when he leaves, she uncovers yeah. a piece of art that's standing on an easel. A hastily drawn charcoal sketch of Luke as a child, smiling with no scar. Assuming this, er, Percy assumes that this is before he had run away from home. How does she know what he looked like? Ooh. You think she has visions? Could be. So the next one shows the Empire State Building surrounded by lightning with a dark storm in the background and an army at its doors. Scary. Yeah, I want to see if anybody has painted these scenes. What, like the paintings that she painted? Yeah. That would be cool. cool. Yes, it would. Send us that too. (laughs) If you have it. Or if you know someone else who painted it. Like, if you already know a fan artist out there that's already created it, and you're like, oh my god, you haven't seen this person's work? (laughs) Share it. Because I like fan art. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So, Percy wants to call Rachel in the morning and check up on her, but there are no phones at camp, and most demigods don't have phones except Annabeth. And I'm like, did we see Annabeth get a cell phone? I don't think so maybe did she have one at the end because or end of the last book because she had to call her dad Mm. i don't think so maybe this is the first time that we're talking about really cell phones yeah what year did this book came out come out 2009 (laughs) i don't really remember I'm trying to flip through my book fast, and it's not working. Um, 2009. Yeah, so this would probably be the first year that cell phones were really, really common. Like, everybody started having one instead of just the older kids or yeah, the people with business degrees. True. So, um... Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's random. Anyway, Percy can't call her. So it, <laughs> it's Annabeth's turn to inspect the cabins. And Chiron has asked Percy to sort through some reports. So they decided to, like, work on stuff together and get it done faster. God, I so Percy gives him, It was so cute. I know. I know. It is really cute. Percy gives himself a four out of five stars because he straightened up his cabin. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like... I don't have Tyson living here anymore. I'm like, you can't rely on Tyson to clean up your stuff, Percy. (laughs) (laughs) And Aunt Beth's like, nah, and gives him two stars (laughs) or three stars. (laughs) Good for her. So all don't be biased by your crush. (laughs) Yeah. So they Percy skims these reports as they walk between the cabins, and they're like messages from satyrs and demigods and like tree spirits and water spirits and they're all depressing news about battles and like satyrs are 
unable to find new demigods, and even Talia hasn't been heard from for months. Ooh, and I love this. Okay, so just like a um, shout out to those who have read um, Heroes of Olympus, because this is something that I, I, I know. Oh gosh, why can't I find it? Where? Okay, so when they're going through the letters and like the, the notes and stuff from satyrs and stuff, she reads a letter from Gleason Hedge. And Natalie, you don't know who that is, and that's fine. But those who know who that is would be excited to see that he makes an appearance in this book. Because I did not know that he did. Okay, I'm done. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a sad note, though. But it's written Oh, yes, it's a very on, sad note. Uh, had, giant Leap. does not having a good time of the first Titan's War, or second Titan's War. Nope. Um, so they head over to the Aphrodite cabin, which is spotless as always, and Selena is just sitting on her bed eating chocolate that her dad has sent her from his chocolate mm-hmm. store, which is apparently is how he got Aphrodite's attention in the first place. <laughs> but they, she's like, you want one? They taste like cardboard. <laughs> like, what? Oh, So Annabeth... It's like, no, but Percy doesn't have anything against cardboard, so he tries one. <laughs> He's got such interesting reasoning. Also, it's a bit polite. <laughs> yeah. So the Aries and Apollo cabins start fighting as Percy and Annabeth are, like, walking across the courtyard. And the Apollo kids have this cool new chariot that Percy's never seen before. And the Aries cabin is on fire. And the Aries campers are yelling and rhyming couplets. (laughs) (laughs) And Percy finds himself staring at Annabeth, noticing how mature and seriously beautiful she is becoming. And he also noticed that it's kind of intimidating, which is just so irritating. What? That she... Oh, he finds her intimidating? I know. Yeah. That's so stupid. I hate it when... I hate that. It's like what? Maybe that's You're... just because the guy. Remember, um, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, tell this story, but so there was <laughs> a guy who uh, our, our, I had an exchange student, and she got a date for prom, and I remember her date's dad asked me if I got a date for prom, and I was like, "Ah, uh, no, no one asked me because no one did," and she he was like. <laughs> Oh, well, that's because you're intimidating. And I was just like, you know what? I'm fine with that. If I know, if, if I intimidate you, then you don't get to ask me out. If I intimidate you, you're too weak to hang out with me anyway. Exactly. So sit like, down. Right, like, as soon as you say, oh, I'm very intimidated by you. It's like, well, why? I don't care, bro. <laughs> that just means you're not on my level. Go home. <laughs> We're obviously not on the same level. Yeah. <laughs> so Percy needs to get on Annabeth's level. Thank you. <laughs> so um, she, per, uh, Annabeth tells Percy that the Aries and Apollo cabins are fighting over the stupid flying chariot, which they captured in a raid in Philly, but can't agree on who gets to keep it. And it's like, really, you're fighting over that? Stupid. 
stupid while right no so they reach the athena cabin and it's all super tidy except for annabeth's bunk and she's like oh calls herself an idiot in ancient greek (laughs) and i love malcolm (laughs) her like co-head counselor Oh, I know. And he's like, um, we tried to clean as best we could. We just didn't want to move that stuff. <laughs> yeah, Percy's like, that's a good idea. Yeah. But Malcolm just kind of smiles at them all knowingly and is like, we'll wait outside. Yeah, I'm like, I'll leave you two alone. <laughs> I feel like he, Malcolm is always like, interrupting them (laughs) oh yeah i feel like he he has a little bit of um i don't know he's a child of athena that is blessed by (laughs) um oh my god aphrodite aphrodite wow (laughs) yeah he's like he's got the scoop on everyone's relationships at camp (laughs) He does. He probably had more to do with Selena and uh, Beckendorf getting together than anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I love this headcanon for Malcolm. <laughs> What's Malcolm's last name? Do we know? I don't know. No. All right. Well, Malcolm. Malcolm's a cool cat, and we need fan art for Malcolm, too. So this <laughs> is just a big request for things we need to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So all the Athena kids leave leave the cabin so Percy and, and Percy and Annabeth can inspect it and Percy starts daydreaming about stuff like how it's okay for demigods to date because none of the gods actually share the same DNA. Um but they I know, were never I feel like he was trying really hard to prove that it was okay. But they were Yeah. Doing... <laughs> <laughs> we're not siblings, I swear. <laughs> Well, because they would never date someone who is in the same cabin as themselves. That's just too far. That's that's just too close. We got one family. Oh, God. Yeah. We got the same parent. Not only the same uncle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah, so Percy's like, "Mm, I don't know why I'm thinking about these things. Oi. Mm, you don't now. <laughs> so Annabeth is like, says that the thing between Beckendorf and Selena really makes you think about what's important, about losing people who are important. And Percy's just staring at her, thinking about all these like tiny details of her like being, like her earrings and the way she tucks her hair behind her ear when she's nervous and just says, how's your family? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and Annabeth looks disappointed. So of course she's disappointed. She wanted some more questions other than, so how's your family? And she yeah. knows that she doesn't like her, her family. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, their relationship's getting a little better. Yeah, I guess it's a good way to test the waters. Yeah. So, she wanted him to flirt. That's what she wanted. I know. And guess what? You don't flirt by talking about your parents. (laughs) Pro tip. Don't flirt by talking about your parents. (laughs) So, yeah. Annabeth 
and Percy head back up to the big house, and Percy reads the last report, which is the one from the Seder you were talking about. It's written on a giant maple leaf from a Seder in Canada, and it's addressed to Grover. Um, tells him that the Naiad's trees are being destroyed and summoning the power of Pan isn't working and that he's retreating to Ottawa. And Percy has been trying to reach Grover for months through the empathy link and Iris messages and any news. He's heard nothing. Ottawa's the French French Canadian, right? Yeah. I feel like Coach Hedge wouldn't like speaking French. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just a commentary on this. And people who understand Coach Hedge will understand what I am saying. I'm pretty sure yeah, Ottawa's like French-speaking. French I should know that. I'm not saying that he wouldn't go there, but like if he needed to go there, he'll go there. But I still don't think he would like to speak in French. I don't think he likes people talking that he can't understand because I think he thinks that they're talking bad about him. Oh gosh. I have no idea what you're talking about. I know you don't, which makes me want to talk about it more. Oh God. Poop you. <laughs> so. Um, Percy and Annabeth talk about how Kronos must be using Typhon to distract the gods into leaving Mount Olympus unattended and mentions Rachel in his dream. And Annabeth insists that Rachel's just a mortal and the campers have to be ready to fight. And Percy's like, well, what if this means something, though? It, it's not normal for mortals to have visions about demigod stuff. And she's like, you're a coward. And he's like, what? And she runs away. <laughs> I know, that's not really the correct response, but okay. <laughs> it's really not helpful or conducive to anything. No. Other than getting your feelings hurt. And, but at the same time, he was just like off hanging out with Rachel like half the summer. That she was, he was. So I can understand why she would be upset beyond just the like having a crush on Percy Jackson. Yes. So poor Percy's day does not get any better after that. And because everybody gathers at the campfire to burn Beckendorf's shroud, his burial shroud, and the flames on the fire are burning black. And Percy wonders if Beckendorf's spirit has ended up in Elysium and wonders if he will try to reach Elysium three times so that he can end up in the Isles of the Blessed. And we just don't know that. Like, you got to trust yourself so (laughs) hard to be able to, like, yes, I'm going to try for it three times because I think that I am so good that each time (laughs) I get reincarnated and do not remember that the last time that I I decided to try and be reincarnated, I'm going to do it again for the first time in my mind. So then by the third time, like, you, you've you died twice by now and been reincarnated. And you've died, like, what if on that third time, yet time, you were just like, you know what? I think that I was very yeah. good, but I'm not good enough to try three times. So he just goes straight in and doesn't go and try and get to the Isle of the Blessed. Then you would have wasted two extra reincarnations. Or you could have experienced a lot of cool things in life. Oh, fine. Look at the positives. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it would be weird. You'd have to, like, know 
that you yeah. were going to do it. You got to really trust yourself. You got faith in yourself. Yep. So Percy goes up to Selena and apologizes for what happened on the Princess Andromeda. And Selena just kind of runs off. She's like, I'm not talking about this right now, Percy. <laughs> and Percy tells Clarice that she could help Selena by honoring Beckendorf's memory and fighting with the campers instead of, you know, fighting about a stupid chariot. <laughs> and he also notices that Clarice isn't speaking in rhymes like all the other people. And Percy wonders where she was when the Apollo cabin cursed the Ares cabin and wonders if Clarice could be the spy. Ooh. Yeah. So Clarice says that she'll help when the Apollo... Or maybe Clarice was away comforting uh, Selena. That could be too. We don't know, do we? Mm-hmm. We do not. Hmm. So Clarice says that she'll help when the Apollo cabin gives her the stupid chariot, and Percy calls her a big baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's being one. and well, She is acting quite immature. Yep. And Chris Rodriguez has, has to stop her from ripping Percy's head off. I'm sure. And she storms off, and Chris follows her, and Percy just watches the sparks of Beckendorf's fire dissipate into the sky and then heads toward the sword fighting arena to visit an old friend. I don't know why I said that so weird, but yeah. That brings us to chapter five. <laughs> chapter five? I drive my dog into a tree. <laughs> Four stars for animal cruelty. <laughs> Same. Also, you can't drive dogs. No, you can't. You sure just hold on and hope that they know where they're going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you could drive a sled dog, but that's multiple dogs. And you're driving the sled, not the dogs. Well, I guess that do it doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't. I guess I just don't have the skills to drive a dog. <laughs> yeah. So Percy goes to visit Mrs. O'Leary, who has been living in the sword fighting arena, and for some reason, whenever I read the name Mrs. O'Leary, I really want—I really, really, really want Mrs. O'Leary to only respond to her name if she goes like, "Oh, Mrs. O'Leary." <laughs> You gotta say it like in a bad Irish accent. Yeah. Oh, Mrs. Bodieri. That's like and that sounds she'll respond not to Irish at all. I know because I don't do an Irish <laughs> accent. <laughs> and you gotta Mrs. say O'Leary. Part of it, Mrs. O'Leary. Mrs. O'Leary. <laughs> really oh, bad. I'm angering so many people. <laughs> I was. I heard Irish accents plot twist when I was in Ireland. Um, at oh, when you're in Ireland, huh? <laughs> but I had flown from Paris to Dublin and I was just like walking through the airport and it was, majority of the people I heard were just American, you know, people who had flown from Paris to Dublin with me and weren't necessarily Irish. But then we landed in Chicago and these like teenage girls were on the plane with me and they were like, Oh, shoot. It was, I could replicate her voice perfectly for a little bit, and then I lost it. But she's like, we're, I can't believe we're in Chicago and no adults. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Percy is visiting his doggo, and he thinks of Beckendorf, like, taking care of her whenever he was gone, and, like, he made, Beckendorf made her a bunch of toys and a collar with a smiley face and crossbones name tag and stuff, and it's just sweet. So Mrs. O'Leary starts barking like she needs to go for a walk, so Percy opens the gate of the arena, and she runs straight toward the woods. And he follows her and finds her in the clearing where the Council of Cloven Elders used to gather before Mr. D ruthlessly and rightfully disbanded it. And it's weird because everything in the clearing is dying. Like, the grass is yellow and the thrones are leafless. But even weirder than that is the fact that Nico, Juniper, and old fat satyr Linnaeus are standing in the middle of the clearing, talking, apparently. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) And Percy notices that Nico looks a lot older than 12 years old. And and it's sad. Sad, Nico. I love Nico. I know. It's, like, crazy. I keep forgetting that he's only 12. Everybody else is, like, 15, 16 now. And he's just here, like, a little baby. But he's not. He's still... He's 12. He can fix it. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know. Some people get babysitters for their 12-year-old kids. I don't know. I was babysitting at 11, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have been, but I was. <laughs> so Linnaeus is howling about Mrs. O'Leary being in his forest, and Juniper asks Linnaeus to ask... Wait, what? Oh. <laughs> Can't read. I'm sorry. <laughs> Juniper <laughs> called Linnaeus to ask if he has heard anything from Grover and if he's been able to track Grover down. And Linnaeus is just like, Grover's a traitor! He's the worst. Also, get this dog out of my face. (laughs) So, Nico takes Mrs. O'Leary for a walk. And Linnaeus is like, we voted that traitor into exile. And Percy's like, "Mm -mm, you tried to. Mr. D and Chiron stopped you. (laughs) And Linnaeus is like, oh, they don't count. (laughs) Okay, the god doesn't count, but okay. (laughs) So Linnaeus claims that Selenus and Marin, who are the other members of the council, are merely taking some time off as it's been a very unsettling year. And Percy's like, yeah, it's about to get a lot worse, you dummy. And Linnaeus tells Juniper that Grover is probably dead. And Percy's like, no, because I would know because of the empathy link. And Linnaeus is like, empathy links are so unreliable. So Percy... Loses his temper, and this is like the first time we've ever seen Percy lose his temper like this. And he grabs Linnaeus by his shirt and yells in his face to start acting like a leader and helping prepare against Kronos' attack. And he's like, go find Grover and bring Juniper back some news. And I love Percy for this because Linnaeus deserves it. He's the worst. Yeah. I don't know. There's something real... He needs some, I don't know, he needs some guts to yeah. him. There's something real B.A. about Percy just, like, telling him how it is. Nice. So Linnaeus is like, all right, bye, and just disappears. <laughs> so Nico comes back with Mrs. O'Leary, and per- Percy asks him why he's there. And Nico tells him that he accidentally dropped into the middle of Juniper and Linnaeus' conversation. And Juniper 
asked him if he would know if Grover died. And he goes like, no, like he would turn into a flower or something. And it's not the kind of death that I can track. And Juniper is disappointed, but leaves when Mrs. O'Leary like jumps at her. And she's like, I know about dogs and trees. I'm gone. And disappears. (laughs) Well, it does sound like uh, Mrs. O'Leary was sort of looking for a place to lift her leg. Relieve herself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Nico tells Percy that he spoke with Beckendorf's ghost in the underworld and that Beckendorf doesn't blame Percy for his death and that he shouldn't beat himself up for it. And he says that Beckendorf is just chilling in Elysium waiting for someone, though Nico doesn't know who that someone is. Which is kind of ominous. Yeah. Maybe he's waiting to, like, he's waiting to seek revenge. Nah, Beckendorf's not nah. like that. <laughs> yeah, nah, dude. No. He's an Elysium for a reason. He's waiting for love. <laughs> yep. So, um, Nico was at Mount Tamalpay because he was following a lead on figuring out, figuring out who his family was, like answering questions about his mortal parent and the lawyer that was like, taking him and Bianca places and how they even ended up in the Lotus Hotel and Casino to begin with, but he hasn't had any luck so far. But he tells Percy that the real reason he's there is to talk about to Percy about his idea and see if Percy has made a decision about it. And we heard a little bit of like the introduction to this idea at the end of the Battle of the Labyrinth, but we still don't really know what it is. Um, so whatever the plan yeah, is. We just know it's a it's an idea that would give them an upper hand, but we don't really and Percy's a bit freaked out by this plan. Right. Apparently it's really intense. But Nico argues that Percy doesn't have any more time to think about it. He's like, Typhoon will be there in five days, you're turning sixteen in five days, it's gonna be too late. We have to do this now. And he says that they can give Percy the same power as Luke, and I don't know how they're going to do it, but we'll see. And Percy points out that you can't prevent a prophecy, but Nico says that you can fight it. And Percy's like, I don't know, I don't know. And Nico snaps at him, and he's like, look, my sister died to protect you, and you need to honor her memory by doing what's possible to fight and stay alive. And Percy's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yep. So he's kind of, Percy's kind of fueled by his anger about being called a coward by Annabeth and, you know, Bianca's death and everything. So he asks Nico what they have to do. And Nico gives him this real creepy smile that makes Percy immediately regret his decision. And he, Nico tells him that in order to know more about Luke's past, they need to retrace his steps. And that they need to go to Nico or uh, Luke's mother's house in Connecticut. And instead of just, you know, explaining it right there, like a normal person would do, he doesn't. And Percy's like, well, how are we going to get there? And Nico's like, we're going to shadow travel. Hop on Mrs. O'Leary <laughs> and tell her to take you to May Castellan's place in Westport, Connecticut. So Percy does. And Mrs. O'Leary pounces forward straight toward an orc tree. Orc tree, oak tree, 
But just before they hit <laughs> it, everything... That would be scary. But right scary. before they hit the orc slash oak tree, everything turns to shadows. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Shadow travel. Yeah. So, what about bringing so the monsters, that's the end of Quinn? chapter five. All right, so bring on the monsters. Wait a second. There's no monsters here. What? I know, I know, it's a little disappointing. <laughs> so there's no monsters in this episode. So I guess, I think, no. Mrs. O'Leary isn't a monster. And our, anyway, we already talked about the little there is to talk about hellhounds. Um, if you want to talk about, about hellhounds, uh, go back to, I think, maybe like episode one. <laughs> we talked about hellhounds. Uh, maybe Probably. two. Uh, but yeah Mrs. O'Leary is cool and she's not a monster so ready for oh my god oh my god <laughs> just that slight delay makes it a little <laughs> so so what we're talking about today is also going to be a very brief segment because Lenius Lenius, um, unfortunately, he doesn't have that much, uh, to talk about. I went on five different websites, all of varying degrees of whatever, education and such. <laughs> the max that I found written on him was four sentences long. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, um, Lenius. He is the Selene demigod. So, uh, he is a demigod of gra uh, grape treading and the dance of the wine trough. He was one of three sons of Selenius. So he's actually, he's like a part of the Council of Cloven Elders with his dad. So, oh, wow. with him for life. Uh, yeah. His he was, uh, a, he serves Dionysus as, like, a satyr, and he was basically in charge of smushing all the grapes into wine. That was his job, and he really liked it. Um, yeah, he, he I, I didn't find much about him, other than he was a follower of Selene, or, or father, follower of Dionysus, a child of Selenius, and he had a name. Oh, and he liked to smush grapes. <laughs> Yay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. Percy Jackson, it's his time to shine in any kind of myth. So, yep. <laughs> yeah. Giving him a chance a... outside of the traditional myths. Yeah, this very monster and god light chapters yeah. this time it's a very um i don't know what you would call this chapter a lead-in expository chapter. yeah gives you a lot of yeah things like ooh, this will be important in five chapters yeah <laughs> true <laughs> that's how it always is he like plants the seeds and you just watch it grow throughout the book mm -hmm. all right are you ready for Quest queries? Yes. Alright, good, because that's what we're 
Why does Annabeth get to know all this stuff but nobody else does? I sort of think that Annabeth read the prophecy, not because she was supposed to, but because she was putting her nose into places that she shouldn't have been. She's been at camp forever. And she said that, what, she read that when she was 11? So she was probably just bored. She was also one of the campers that stayed there all year round. She probably spent the most time in the big house of all the campers because she seems very close with Chiron. She must have more of an opportunity to snoop around the Oracle. And she went through all of the Oracle's necklaces, I guess. And read that <laughs> prophecy because Annabeth is Annabeth. She's going to read something if it's written down. <laughs> That's I feel like true. She, like, when she was little, she practiced re- reading just on like the, I don't know, the grocery, grocery list. That someone threw away. And she's like, yeah. why are you going through the trash? Because of words. <laughs> The back of the cereal box. Well, the back of the cereal box has quality content there, so. (laughs) Yeah, I accept that theory. Um, (laughs) How would the demigods respond to quarantine? So, as we all know, unfortunately, because this is the world that we live in. uh, So we're all stuck at home. If you're not stuck at home, you should be. Um, yes. Or you're, you have to go to work because you can still go to work and you're still, you should still be safe. Be safe, everybody. Wash your hands. But, so we're, we're, if these demigods exist in our world, are they stuck at home too? These poor ADHD-filled kids? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the campers would be at camp. Oh, right? Would... <gasps> oh my god, imagine if coronavirus got into camp. Would they be self-quarantined inside of their camp or into the cabins? <gasps> but then they would have to se- they would have to like separate the cabins. Hermes cam- cabin is not sanitary. They're all wrong. <laughs> plus how many beds do they have in the hospital wing, you know? Yeah, Percy's going to be fine. Percy's fine. He's, like, already all self-isolated in his cabin. Maybe yeah. some other people will be like, hey, two people from the Hermes cabin, we don't want to crowd this place up too much. <laughs> Wash your hands, folks. Wash your hands. Percy has, like, a, I don't know, is there, like, a sal- saline-based sanitizer? Saline and water sanitizer? <laughs> like Probably. Controls all of the the hand washing stations with his like water powers <laughs> yeah oh my gosh i don't know they would probably just carry on honestly yeah the apollo cabins would be just like extra vigilant yelling at everybody to wash your hands did you get your vaccine this today yeah. <laughs> like give them flu vaccines over and over again <laughs> Not even like a vaccine that would help with anything that's actually on hand. Just yeah, <laughs> that's funny. All right, that is the end of this episode. Yeah, and if you want to contribute to the conversation 
or you want to yell it at, at us about something that we said, you can find us at <laughs> Twitter and Instagram at floor underscore 600 or Tumblr at floor 600 podcast. You can join our Patreon, be like Hilton, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash floor 600 to help us improve this podcast, get more, and get some perks like bonus episodes, stickers, a private Facebook group, and more. And don't forget to check out our Redbubble shop. Yeah. Redbubble. That, do it. It'll be fun. Baby Centaur. Uh, email at us, um, 4600.podcast at gmail.com. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for listening. And thank y'all. you for listening. Bye, Charlie. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>